This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Shortly after the death of Queen Elizabeth, we talked a bit about the misinformation and the conspiracy theories that sprung up following that. All kinds of silliness, if you remember... um, For example, the UK had cancelled all funerals. The Queen was the only one that was going to be buried on that day. Not true, of course. Um, And then, of course, there was all the greatest hits of the misinformation crowd that come up all the time. Um, QAnon got in on the action. They always do never miss a chance. Um, A lot of people said she was killed by the vaccine. Uh, There's a lot of people that say the Queen had been dead for a very, very long time anyway. She'd... um, She passed away years ago. There's been a whole bunch of conspiracy theories around that, saying that she had died several times. So um, it happens every time, right? That's the world that we live in now. But why is that? And what does it do to us? Let's find out. We're going to chat with Samuel Routley, who's a PhD student in political science at Western University. Samuel, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, when we take a look at this, the fact that the same themes come up every time, right? I mean, it's the same sort of whenever there's a major news event, the conspiracy theorists get going, get active, and come up with uh, all kinds of alternate realities that they start selling. That should tell us something. They'll never miss an opportunity, right? If there's a major story, there's going to be alternative realities around it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, because when when you're talking about something like the monarchy, which is an institution that large and, and predominant, I think that there's, you know, there's always there'll always be a set of interests um, that are interested and can gain can, can gain from that sort yeah. of that confusion uh, that 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 mis- misinformation can can generate. And we'll get to what the gain might be in just a minute. First, though, as you say, conspiracy theories, especially surrounding the royal family, are are nothing new. When you're talking about an entity entity that big um, and that well-known, you're going to have all kinds of conspiracy theories. And they've been around for a long time, right? Like, why does the monarchy lend itself to this kind of thing? I, I think it's simply the um, it's it's two things. It's, it's the monarchy's incredibly high stature. Um, it's standing, whether that's in the whether that's including in the British system of government uh, in the Commonwealth, but also publicly, and also the fact that the because the because the monarchy kind of has to maintain this this neutral position, it kind of has to stay above the fray of of day to day politics and day to day contentions. Uh, it 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 kind of keeps things hidden. It's it's secretive yeah. in a way. It's built in, so, yeah. which, which can kind of generate this 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 sense of suspicion that that can that can make people susceptible to these kind of conspiracy theories. You know, and we are. We know there's a segment of the population that's very susceptible to this. The question, are, are we not getting any better, Samuel? I mean, we know, we've talked about this so much since the advent of social media, and, and we know there's so much misinformation flying around. Are we not getting any better at spotting it? Yeah, I mean, what, what the research shows um, is that what what's really changed is the the rate, uh, the speed of the misinformation. So misinformation and conspiracy theorizing have always been problems that we've had, yeah. and it seems like there'll always continue to be problems, uh, simply just because that's the way, um, you know, communication works. Um, you know, either whether or not people 
you have to consider the fact that people are often misinformed, uh, lack understanding of things, and also the fact that that there's there's always interest. Um, somebody always gains uh, from 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 like I said, the sort of confusion that it generates. But but what's different now? It seems like given since like the advent of of the internet and social media, it's, it's the speed. Yeah, uh, that's really changed, and perhaps that's what's more uh, ominous, and, and that's what's much more impressing. When you say you know that people will seek to gain from these kinds of conspiracy theories, how? What do they gain by doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it it what, what's happened with the monarchy so far is you could see that uh, a lot of the political movements that have been going on for the last couple of years, they're all trying to get an advantage. So, for example, I mean, um, kind of anti-COVID movements, anti-vaccine movements, they they kind of try to generate this, this conspiracy theory that that the vaccine, for example, was what killed the queen. Yeah. And that's a way to advance, to legitimize uh, their their policy goals. Um, another factor might be that there are certain political actors uh, who are trying to gain um, political momentum, who are trying to get advantages, and, and they do that by by sowing this sense of discord, this, this sense of confusion, so that they can kind of come in as that agent of, of order. Um, you know, that they, they create a kind of fake, a, a manufactured sense of chaos, and they kind of come as that, that, that order. And then the third is, is, in this particular case, is a set of interests that are interested in seeing the, the monarchy itself kind of diminished. Um, when we... I, okay, so yeah, you're right. Diminishing the monarchy, and we know that's going to be a topic of discussion in a number of different countries. But what does it do to us in general, in terms of society, uh, democratic institutions, all these sorts of things, when we're bombarded by this, and uh, we know that it does work in a lot of instances? What does it do to um, you know society in general and, and the way we feel about institutions like the monarchy or democracy or whatever the case may be? Yeah, the, the monarchy is interesting because it, um, a lot of a lot of people had this real um, personal effective um, attachment to the queen, and I think this kind of introduction of a lot of um, I, you, you could say kind of distasteful uh, misinformation has, has actually kind of led to this, this genuine state of of uh, uh, of uh, this discontent. I mean, of of, of this genuine. Uh, angst of of uh anxiety in a sense mm-hmm. um that they feel like they've they feel like they've lost this 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 loved one right they feel like as if despite the fact that they they have no real personal connection they feel almost as if the queen was a was a grandmother or a mother um but in terms more generally i mean like i said before it's it it creates a sense of uh of just instability of of a sense of contamination that that the, that the air uh, that information out there isn't totally safe or reliable and it it creates a sense of especially when we're talking about democratic institution it, it creates this real sense of distrust and, and cynicism right that yes that we can't we can't trust each other uh, we can't trust the sort of institutions and 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 recently that's been used by by political actors sure. most of them most of them, uh, negative, right? Most of them not with the best intentions to kind of wedge in uh, and, and take advantage of those situations. 
Absolutely. Yep. Um, Samuel, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Samuel Routley, who is a PhD student in political science, Western University. He's right. That's what it comes down to, right? Is you can, when you see that distrust being pushed, like when that's, when that's the main focus of someone that you're listening to, it, when they start, whatever they're about to tell you with, you can't believe what you're hearing and seeing from here, there, or anywhere else. Just believe me. Um, that's, should be a red flag that, okay, um, there's a reason that first you have to break down trust in everybody else and say, I'm the one you should trust, right? Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.